Hola, guapas, and welcome to the Hola, guapa podcast. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host, Nisha Batesh. I'm also the founder and creative at Hola, guapa, a digital community of 10,000 artists from all over the world, a blog, a website, this podcast, and most recently, my very own small batch slow fashion line. On this podcast, we dismantled the limiting stories and stereotypes holding creative entrepreneurs back, and together, we redefine what it truly means to be a successful artist. Welcome Sarah Schroeder back to the Ola Guapa podcast. Back by popular demand, this is her second time on the show, and let me tell you, this episode does not disappoint. Together, we sit down and dive deep into topics like the nitty-gritty business side of being an artist, the joy that comes from doing things your own way, the power of purpose and manifesting your dream career, and the significant impact journaling can have on your growth as an artist. So if you're a creative person who is currently in a place of feeling unsure of what they want and how to get there, or if you're just a major fan of Sarah and her work like I am, then this is the conversation for you. And with that, let's get into the episode. My name is Sarah Schroeder, and I am an abstract artist. Um, I live in Miami, Florida, and originally I'm from Idaho, so that was a big switch in my life, Um, but I've now been in Miami for a greater part of my life than I was ever in Idaho, so that's an interesting milestone for me. Um, I paint abstract artwork, um, and I work on paper and canvas. I do small things and I do large things. I kind of, uh, not all over the place, but I do a lot of different things. Um, and I have a really uh, robust journaling practice that uh, I've been focusing on more lately. Um, and I do, uh, this, is, this is new, we'll get to it eventually. I do have a membership um, community focused on journaling um, and, I'm working on um, creating some classes and I teach workshops and that's all that, that'll all come up later. But that's that's the brief rundown. Amazing. And you were one of kind of the OG guests on the podcast way back when. So catch us, bring us up to speed on what you've been up to since we last spoke. Um, for those in the audience who uh, might not have yet listened, um, they can go back and listen to that episode and then it'll be kind of a nice segue for them to just be brought up to speed on what you've been up to since we last chatted. Okay. So I, we talked in 2021, I think. So we were, right. was it 21? I, yeah. So I, we were pre pandemic. Yeah. We were right in it. I think. You're right. You're right. At the very beginning. Yes. Yeah. Because I, you were in your brother's old bedroom or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think <laughs> I had just launched my website. That was new. That's um, right. And I did go back and kind of like try to listen and, and think about where we were at the time. But I, I was sort of playing with the idea of galleries or no galleries. How did I feel about that? Yeah. Um, the funny thing is I still don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Um, uh, and I was playing with the idea of teaching whether or not I thought I would do that. That was kind of up in the air. Um, and one of the main themes of that particular conversation was sort of this um, random fly by the seat of my pants <laughs> sort of uh, 
um, method I had to building my career, which was yeah. really no method at all. It was just seeing how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can say I sort of stuck with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did, I've been going back and forth with my art, sort of trying to figure out where I feel like I belong. And I, I always, go back to Lisa Congdon because I love her work and I love that she's sort of taken this career and she's made it exactly what she wants it to be. She's not specifically in only galleries. She doesn't only sell original work. She has this really um, prolific print um, sales business that she does. She does books. She does a podcast. Like she does everything. Yeah. Um, And it just sort of stuck out to me this year that I don't I don't have to follow anybody else's predetermined path or this thing that everybody says you should do it this way. Like, I feel like I felt like there were two options. It was mm-hmm. either make fine art and be in galleries or or maybe three or be like a decorator artist um, or you could teach and do that kind of stuff. And I'm really now trying to just do the things I really enjoy and love and want to do. And I'm trusting that the opportunities that I need to keep growing will come to me. Um, so it's funny. I was just checking my email. I'll give you two examples. I had said to a friend of my, of mine last summer, she's an artist friend of mine. Um, that I would love to do a retreat, uh, like invite other creative people on this retreat and and make it really luxurious and a lot like a vacation um, with a little bit of art mixed in. I didn't want to do this like five hours of art a day or whatever, just like uh, a rest and inspiration. Um, And it was just a conversation. And then a couple of weeks later, I was sitting on the beach with my family and I picked up my phone to take a picture or something. I saw that there was an email and it was a woman from a women's luxury travel company asking me, inviting me to be the guest artist on this retreat (laughs) to Greece. And I'm doing it. So, oh my God, I just got (laughs) chills. Yeah. Manifesting. Yes. So we can talk more about that because that actually led into the teaching that I'm doing now. Um, but another example is I was just checking my email this morning and I had sat down um, last week to build out my calendar for the year because I do make a calendar every year, whether I stick to it or not is another story. Right. But <laughs> my last project of the year involves um, making a book. And I have wanted to do it for years and I've just never set aside the time. So I was like, this is my year. I'm going to actually tell myself I have these three months to make this book and I'm going to do it. Um, And I just got an email from a book company asking if I would be interested in making a book. And I was like, oh, this this is so amazing. So I do believe if you really are purposeful about the things you want to do and writing them out and talking about them, it matters and it makes a difference. And I feel like it's always happened that way. And the conversation that we had um, last time where I was talking about galleries and I was saying, you know, if I had this gallery that would actually help me and promote me and and do all these things so I can just make the work, it would be amazing. Um, And last year I had a solo show with a woman who 
just, it was the startup gallery and she works with um, mid-career artists and it was the most amazing show. And she took care of everything. She, I mean, she was amazing to work with. And I keep hoping she'll, she'll open up like a permanent gallery space and then have like specific artists and to carry my work because she is exactly the kind of person that I would well, want. Well, now that you said it, it's probably, you're probably yeah. going to get an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I think what's so important about what you're saying is that um, you're really, really aligned with your purpose. You're, you're very connected to it. And so therefore, like, you know, when you start to say things, because you're right there, you're so close to it. I feel like they, they manifest. And what might be interesting to talk about a little bit is like, you're, it's almost like you've arrived in this space now, but all the years and the work and kind of maybe some of the challenges or the struggles that it's taken you to get to this place. Like you said, you know, kind of going back and forth between thinking that there was only three options. And now you, you've kind of arrived at a place where you feel like the options are limitless. You know, you just have to decide what you want to do. And so I think for like artists who are just starting out, they might feel like, okay, well, I went to school for graphic design, but I'm really interested in fashion and I don't know how to get there. Or I think just talking a little bit more about like the journey and how it's not always fluid. It's not a straight line. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people don't know how to get to where they want to go or they can't even imagine the thing that they actually want to do. And I think a lot of my um, path has been trying things that I think I want and then learning that I don't. And so I'm all right, try that one. That's not what I want. And I feel like I'm at a place in my life right now. My kids are getting older. I have two that are out of the house, two that are in the house. Um, And as each child leaves, I start to feel a little bit more precious about the time I have with the ones that are left here. So it's really made me um, where I think when my kids were young, I was desperate for time for myself and to make something for myself because I felt so, I think, invisible or like drowning under the motherhood stuff. So I was really like, I want my own thing and I I need to do something for myself. Um, And I don't, feel like that anymore. Um, a little bit more, I wish that I would have been more balanced about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a regret specifically, but I feel like, well, I guess, yeah, I, I regret a little bit that I was out of focus a little bit. Like I was so desperate to have that time for myself, mm-hmm. which kind of goes back to what I was saying to you last time, like give yourself something because yeah. otherwise you, maybe you'll swing too far in the wrong direction, you know? Um, yeah. So trying, trying things out, building different. Okay. So I, I was thinking this year is more of a, um, has, I've given myself a chance to evaluate what I want, not just from my career, but actually from my life and a little bit more. Um, my thought process is, what kind of life do I want to live and how can I build a career that promotes that and fits in with that really well? That's such a great point. I think especially with just how the world has shifted since the pandemic and, you know, just with, with work culture kind of shifting towards being more remote, I think Mm -hmm. it does provide so much more options where you can really 
think that way, right? Create the life mm-hmm. that you want first. So do you want to travel? Do you want to, you know, pack up all your stuff and get an RV and go across the the right. country? Or do you want to work abroad? I mean, it's just skills are so transferable now because you don't have to have a job in the location that you're living. Um, and even like with my fiance, he's in the tech industry. So it's, it's, you know, not creative, but his company is based in Europe. And so that provides so much more opportunity to travel and it's just more opportunity in general. So I think it's a really good point and there's no better time to start thinking that way than now. Right. Yeah. And I've had to think about, you know, as far as the, the gallery versus not gallery part, I have to think about how do I really want to spend my time? Do I, do I want to be carting artwork to galleries? Do I want to have to be building out a show for, you know, what, what they want? Do I want to be doing my own thing? Do I even want to be making physical paintings that I have to ship anymore? Because I'm, I have a lot of work and it's sort of overflowing out of my house. And I'm now to the point I'm like, okay, I think maybe because I don't have a place to put it right now. I don't have a gallery full time. Um, that was just a single show and I don't have a place to show my work, which I would love. Well, let's manifest that one. I would yeah, love a yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love a place to, for people to come view my work. That's not necessarily my home studio, um, but I don't have that right now. So I'm thinking I'm going to slow down on making the physical pieces that I have to ship out, but I still need to make money. So um, I'm looking at different ways to um, maybe do like a drop ship thing with my prints because I've also learned I don't love, I just don't love shipping. I don't love spending my time Mm -hmm. that way. Um, So right now I have everything printed at my local printer um, and I love him and I love the business. And I've really held off on going with a dropship company just because I want to support him and stay. I mean, he's great. Um, so that's really been my biggest hang up is I would then like switch to somebody else. And I don't know that I want to do that. Um, but as far as easing up on my responsibilities and the things that take up my time, I feel like it's a necessary step as far as my prints go. Um So that's one thing I'm thinking about. And then um, when I accepted this position as the guest artist on the travel retreat, um, we, it was funny. Uh, I was talking to, it's called wandering women retreats and Cassie is the, the owner and the planner. And she, you know, she was like, do you, she's like, the one thing that concerns me is that you've never taught a class before. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that concerns me a little bit too. Um, so she was like, just make sure you teach a couple of things before you come on the trip. So I was like, okay, I can do that. And then I wanted to ease myself into it because I hadn't taught before except for trying to teach my kids. And they were like, you're the worst teacher. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I was like, I know I am. Um, so I, I did a, a class online, a workshop, a three-part workshop, um, it last, I think it was September. And I think there were probably 18 people total and it was lovely. And the people were, were wonderful. And I had such a good experience with it that I decided to do it again. So I'm doing it in February. Um, and I think I'll keep doing it because I, I love the interaction with the people that are there. And it was, um, I was, 
trying it the it was based on journaling and how to kind of get in touch with your own um art style and getting to know yourself and the things that you love and want to explore more um and it wasn't about trying to make my kind of art and I was a little worried when we started that people would be disappointed that I wasn't giving this like step-by-step process to creating art that looks like mine. Um, But we ended up having such beautiful conversation after every exercise and everybody was sharing so much and so well and learning from each other. It was almost, I mean, I was teaching, but it was almost like I was facilitating this group conversation and they were almost like um, teaching each other in the moment. It was, Mm -hmm. and, and not even just about art, but about, we had a therapist in the group. And so she was sharing, it was great. It was such a good experience. Um, and it just felt, right and like something I want to continue to just create those spaces for people. Um, so that is how the workshopping started. And um, I, I will build classes out from the workshops once I kind of have a time have time to work with people and kind of see what they really want and what what I can put together that doesn't need a lot of facilitation in the moment. Um, and that could be something that they access anytime. Yeah. Um, That's super cool. I mean, I think that so much to touch on there, right? Like I think that putting, it's kind of an example of how you put into practice your thinking around just trying something and, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing if you like it or not, because often I think maybe the generation before mine was so programmed to think you have to go to school and you're kind of on the straight and narrow and you have one path to get to where you want to go. And um, I think that, you know, Gen Z is thinking about things so differently. There's careers that maybe they're more interested in pursuing that don't even have a course or a class that you could take to get there. Like the school hasn't even caught up and there's so much free education online. There's so many wonderful like workshops and classes, like what you're talking about, even just to kind of facilitate those conversations and get people to explore a little bit more and think about Mm -hmm. things maybe from a different perspective. And I know that something that you're really passionate about um, is this idea of journaling and kind of that, you know, exploration as a creative. Can you touch a little bit more on that and why you feel like that's such an important part of the creative process? Um, well, I, I like journaling for a lot of different reasons. Part of it is that it gives you a chance to explore anything you want. And really, I mean, you don't have to use a journal to do that, but I always, I just feel like the journal is kind of private. Um, and you don't have to show anybody unless you want to. Um, and that it could be the same with with regular art too, right? You could make stuff all the time and just not have it be in a book. But I love the book form because it shows a story of your progress. Um, I just finished a little travel log um, and I had started it in 2016 and like the last maybe third of it was not finished. So I just picked it up and started using those pages again um, because I'm also on a mission to just use up the stuff I have around. Um, and it was really interesting to look at the first pages of 2016 
And then where I had like picked it up periodically and done these like kind of weird and bizarre things that weren't, they're not anything like what I do now. Um, And then I just finished it up with where I am now, which even the things that I did in the book, uh, you know, currently, they're not the same as the art that I make, you know, my formal fine art that I make to sell or put in a show or whatever. They're different, but that's where I can try out things that I don't normally do. Yeah. And I might not have confidence in, or maybe so I saw something. I'm like, Ooh, I wonder how that would work with this thing that I normally do. And I can combine them together and see, and some of it turns out really crappy. And honest, <laughs> I mean, I show it, I show people when it turns out bad, it was actually really embarrassing. Um, with the last workshop, we were doing this exercise <laughs> and at the end, my, and the, I have the camera on my table and so people can see what I'm doing. And I was like, wow, that's so bad. <laughs> and they were like, we thought you were just doing that to make us feel better. I'm like, nope, that actually just happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's, that's so important to show and be transparent about too. Right. And I, I kind of agree with you. I love the like nostalgic idea of it actually being a book because it kind of feels a little bit like a diary, right? Like a place yeah. that you can go just, just for you. And it, it does almost sum it into a story or like that was that year or that, that season or whatever it was. And you can kind of keep it that whole body of, of work, so to speak together. Right. Well, it's helpful too. I think when you have a full book like that, um, people, a lot of times are like, well, where do you like, where do you get your inspiration? What do you, but if you take your book, you can see a progression from like, you did this thing and then that particular little corner had something in it that you liked. So that is on the next page. And then it goes on and on and on and on like this ripple effect of things that you were trying. Yeah. And you can use those things that you're making in your journal to then develop your formal artwork or collection or whatever, you know, and it's going to be very much you because it grew like page by page out of all the stuff that you've been doing. Yeah. And I think that we do like as somebody who like went to art school and was in love with that process. Like, I think that that's a lot of what I fell in love with or what I liked about it was that there was time to explore and there was, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody was teaching us a new technique, but then it was like, okay, we're going to work on this for the next week or two weeks. And, you know, there's studio time. And you, you touched on earlier, this kind of idea of like desperate energy when, um, you know, your kids were younger and really feeling like you, you needed to kind of have that time for yourself. And I think that, that's so important because I think it's really relatable. I think a lot of people, especially starting out in their career, they they want to arrive already. They want to get there. They want that feeling of success and accomplishment, or they just want to know like what's the path to get there the quickest. And I think right. just, you know, kind of this practice of journaling just just to explore, just to have that time is so mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. I think the container of a journal is nice too, as far as just trying to keep yourself in a habit because you can pick a tiny little journal. Like it's, it's contained. You're not trying to paint this, like you're not challenging yourself to paint, you know, 10 three foot by three foot canvases. You've got like the little journal I just finished. Each page was five and a half inches. That's it. So it's, if you're just challenging yourself to keep making something every day, then that's pretty doable. 
And you, that could be a challenge like in and of itself is scale, right? So you could choose right. a large journal or a small journal. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think something else that you you touched on that was that kind of struck me too was like this idea of, you know, when you were talking about like wanting to first think about the life that you want to create and then kind of work backwards from there to figure out how like a career fits into that. And you mentioned that, you know, even thinking about this route to being a gallery artist or, um, you know, do you really want like what actually goes into that? Like, do you really want to be creating and curating your art based on what the gallery sells? Do you want to be, you know, transporting canvases back and forth? I think with the idea of um, doing, you know, you, you realize that you don't like to ship. And mm-hmm. I think that there's so much of that kind of stuff that maybe um, artists who are just starting out don't realize. Like for mm-hmm. them, success looks like, let's say, selling a hundred pieces a day from their website, right? But right. what does that actually mean, right? On the business end of it, right? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I find that really fascinating. Um, just my experience with it or yeah. Yeah. Like as um, an artist, right. Right. We romanticize the idea mm -hmm. that you're in your studio all day long painting and it's Mm -hmm. this beautiful process. And there is, there is that I'm, I'm sure of it. Right. Right. But the business side of it too, and kind of what that all entails. Yeah. So there was a point in time where I was convinced I just wanted to only be have an online presence and only sell things online because I uh, am an introvert and I didn't want to have to go and schmooze with people or have conversations I wasn't comfortable having or just it was very anxiety producing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just really focused on building my business based on selling things from home, which is satisfying. I mean, it feels great for people to love your artwork and want to buy it. Um, But then, like you said, I'm spending a lot of time shipping. And then I was kind of like, well, I'm making all these small things that are selling really fast. So I need to make bigger things um, that have a little higher price tag so I can sustain myself a little bit better. You know, it's easier, easier in quotes to sell, you know, like a larger canvas that costs um, maybe $500 than it is to sell 10 little things that cost $50. Um, so I kind of tried that also, which I'm finding like the little things that cost $50 slip into an envelope really easily. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, so, uh, that was one thing. And then, you know, you don't think about all of the materials you need for shipping that has taken over a part of our garage. And my <laughs> husband's like, oh, the shipping station just keeps growing Yeah, because I have all these different sizes boxes. And then I, you know, I am conscientious about packing materials and what creating waste. And so I do try to use recycled materials when I can, but it's hard when you're trying to fit a particular painting size or whatever. So, you know, you've got all that. I've got all my envelopes. I've got, you know, the plastic sleeves and you're ordering all these different things. And then when an order comes in, it feels great. But then I also really like to personalize my packages. So I always wrap like the paper things in a sleeve with a foam backing and I you know, do a little personal note and I put like a couple little extra things in there, which makes it nice. And I wouldn't want to send it any other way. Um, but it, it, it's time consuming. So it can take me a half hour or 45 minutes to pack one thing more if it's a canvas and I need to be 
um, you know, like really packing things. Well, mm-hmm. um, I've started taking those. It's just worth it to me to take it to the local uh, UPS store and have them do it. Cause they have mm-hmm. a special way they ship art and like, I'll pay the money. Just, I don't want to deal with this. It saves yeah. me time. Yeah. Um, yeah. so there's that. Um, and then as far as the website goes and just cataloging your art, um, there is, and I think this has to be done if you're going to let go of your art, or even if you're making it, it needs to be done. And I don't feel like I did it enough is to archive all the art that you're making and take good photographs. So it's not, you're not just painting a thing and be like, this is for sale. And then cha-ching, you sell it and it's gone. Like there's a right. lot of stuff in the background. You either need to hire a photographer or you need to do your own photography, which I just do my own. Um, but that's time consuming. So I'll set up like at the end of making a collection or whatever, I'll for like three days, I'll just set up in my studio, like the lighting and everything. So I can just like shift things like one thing after another on the wall and just keep taking pictures. And then I try to edit it in the moment. So I don't have to go back later and do it. Um, and then listing things to the website that takes a while and it depends on how specific you want to be. Like if you're really into SEO, that can take a long time. I just was like, I'm not doing SEO. (laughs) It's too long. It takes too much for every piece of work. Um, and then I, so that is kind of a rundown of the back end of selling things online. Um, when I did my show with the gallery last summer, it was wonderful because we had, you know, I created all the artwork. I did take all the photographs and I sent them to her and she put the, put them on their website. Um, but then they had somebody there in the gallery to do all the hanging. And then when something would sell from the gallery, she would ship it. I didn't have to do the shipping. So that was very nice. Um, it was a a 50-50 split, which to me was worth it for all the work that she was doing and for having the location and everything. Um, and I did also, when that show was over and I had the work back, I had a lot of small pieces of artwork. And so I went and did one of the pop-ups at West Elm, which I had never done before. Wow. And I was kind of nervous about it. Yeah. I didn't even know that that existed. So it's like a yeah. place that artists can come to sell their work. Yeah. So West Elm, the decor store, yeah, they have a local artist program and they oh, nice. invite artists to come in and they can set up a pop-up, like a, a table with their artwork and stuff. And then the customers can, and it's separate. They don't, they don't do any of the bookkeeping or anything for you. You right. just show up and then people can buy things from you. So it's, it's like having your own, <clears throat> your own little shop within a West Elm. Yeah. How so cool. I did that and it was great. I'll probably do that again because what I really liked was meeting the people that came to see me. Um, it was right before a hurricane. So the traffic was really low. Um, but the people who did show up were people that followed me on Instagram. So they kind of like already knew me and knew oh, wow. that they wanted things. And, um, it was nice to just like do the sale and hand them the painting <laughs> and I don't have to ship it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I found that to be really nice. And it was like one turbo day of going and selling and then you're done. It wasn't like an art fair where you have to rent the space and bring the tent and have the shelving and all that stuff. It was one table and I had my display and I, you know, it was very um, like intense for like five hours, but that was it. Yeah, I feel like just just like even like it's so helpful, I think, just to hear about this, because all the things that you've listed out are all different opportunities and they're they're 
wonderful opportunities, but they present their own set of challenges or their own set of um, work. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it is work at the end of the mm-hmm. day. And mm-hmm. so I think Instagram and social media does a really good job of romanticizing um, yeah. what an artist's career might look like. But even just a few of the things that you mentioned, as far as like um, photography and, you know, writing descriptions and getting everything uploaded to a website and, and even just that alone could be days of work. And that takes you away from the art, right? So I think Mm -hmm. when just for beginning artists, as as they're starting to kind of think about like, what do they actually want to do? And where do they actually want to spend their time? Those are all things to consider. If you're running your own business out of your house or, or, you know, a studio space of your own, these are all things that you would be responsible for taking care of. Unless, like you said, it sounds like now you've arrived at a place where, you know, you're ready to outsource some of that work. Right. Or you could hire a photographer, but then that, mm-hmm. you know, eats into your profit. So, right. yeah, I think the business side of it is is important to touch on as well. Yeah, I think also for people starting out, it's important to, um, in our last conversation, you were asking, like, do I have a specific schedule or not? And I was like, yeah, well, not really. yeah. Um, when I when I started this membership community, I wanted to. um make sure that whatever it required of me was something that fit into my life well, because I had tried um, a Patreon account in the past and I was putting so much work into it and I was doing Instagram and Patreon and and it was, um, it really ended up exhausting me and it felt like all the work I was putting into the Patreon account, you know, Patreon's very small. It's really based the, the, you can make the, um, the monthly payments request, like you can make it be whatever you want, but typically Patreon is like, I don't know, maybe like $5 a month or $10 Mm -hmm. a month or something like that. And I would say I had the majority of people, um, joining at $5 a month, but for all the work I was putting into it, it didn't nearly feel like it was paying me. Like it was like pennies on Mm -hmm. my time. Um, so I, uh, put my tail between my legs and my head down and I closed my Patreon account mm-hmm. <laughs> as a, as a failed thing that I tried and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, when I started doing these workshops, I was like, I could do this regularly and meet with people and, um, just make it a part of my regular art practice Um, And it would be really enjoyable. And I was like, well, what do I love doing enough that it would be um, just continue to be fun? And I was telling a friend of mine, her name is Leah Guzman, and she's an artist also, and she has her own membership program. And I was saying, well, I don't want to charge that much because I don't want And she was like, why would you do the same thing again? You're going to burn out again. Don't do this. Do not repeat the same thing that you did with Patreon. Mm -hmm. Make it worth your time to be Mm -hmm. there so that you feel great about doing what you're doing, which was a great eye opener for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're right. I have to make it pay me enough that I feel being there. Yeah. I mean, fail, but learn your lesson, right? So that feels like a success. And I think that that also kind of ties into the idea of what you were saying is like, what kind of life do you want to have? you know, and what, what does that life cost? And then work backwards from that. And, uh, you know, a huge conversation with artists is their value and what they're worth and Mm -hmm. what their art is worth and what their time is worth. And I think this is like an industry and a career where a lot of um, creatives are working freelance. And so 
that's a huge conversation is how do you price your work? How do you price your time? Especially when you're competing with artists and creatives who can get the job done for less. Right. Right. So I think that that's important too. Yeah. Um, It was a great, I mean, it, it was like this light went on in my head when she said, I was like, oh, you're right. Don't repeat the same thing. Um, and, and the issue of feeling comfortable, um, asking for enough money is a big thing. Um, and I just have had to keep telling myself that I need to ask what I feel like is fair to me. And Mm -hmm. if people agree, then they'll be there. And if they don't agree, they won't be there. And that's okay. Some people, it will be too much. Other people, they'll think this isn't enough. Or, you Mm -hmm. know, like the people who match with me will end up there and it's, Mm -hmm. it will be fine. Yeah. I think sometimes um, I've heard that before too. Like, I think that a good way to think about it is it's almost like your price point is just like an invitation to the party, right? So you're just putting information out there. The guests or whoever you're inviting they get to choose if they want to come. You're right. just inviting them. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that that totally ties into what you said where, you know, they'll they'll meet you and they'll match you if, right. if they find the value in it. And right. something that's really special about you is you have a very strong following. You have a really loyal, committed, dedicated following. What do you think it is about you and your art or your process or what you're showing on social media or your website um, that really draws people in and keeps them kind of hooked and dedicated to you and your process and your work? Um, Well, with all the changes on Instagram, it's really weird. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't I can't tell anymore who's actually there and who's I mean, the engagement is so much lower than what it used to be. Right. Um, yeah. I think everybody's experienced that. Right. And and so that was part of my shift also um, was because Instagram to continue the forward movement that I was able to achieve before it was requiring so much more work for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. My life, I feel like... <laughs> Instagram is the boss of me. Like yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. And, and, and kind of the same time I really started to feel that. And I don't, I don't remember what year it was even, honestly, it was before, I think even these major shifts that just happened, but it was when that Facebook whistleblower trial came out and she, and they were talking about how, um, Facebook and Instagram knowingly use these algorithms that will end up feeding, really unhealthy stuff to young girls in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a daughter and I don't even let her have Instagram. And I was thinking, I don't know how I feel about having all of my eggs in this basket of a company that doesn't really care to protect young people, especially, Mm -hmm. but anybody, I mean, their, Mm -hmm. their goal is not to um, take care of people. Mm -hmm. So then that's when I kind of started to focus on finding other ways to reach people and build my business rather than being super um, involved in Instagram. And now I only do one reel a week. That's all. I used to post every single day, not reels, but 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I got sidetracked on what you had asked me. Oh, the, the the community and the people. And so it's it's actually because I am there less, it's hard for me. I mean, there are some people I recognize the names and I know them. Um, but it's hard for me to tell who's always there um, because I'm not always there. Mm-hmm. And I would say, though, when I do the reels, the I've noticed that when I give it like an art tip or if I talk about um, just things that I think almost every artist can relate to, um, maybe maybe a quote from a famous artist that really touches, or, you know, like reaches, what is that? Hits home. I, I couldn't think of the phrase, hits home uh-huh. with um, a lot of people or... I didn't really even realize it would be such um, that people would respond so much to it. But I just said, I I got this comment on Pinterest and it was just mean. And I was like, why, why take time to write that out? It's not just, it's not easy. I mean, it is easy, I guess, but why would you take time out of your day to write something like that Mm -hmm. instead of just being quiet? Just go. If you don't like it, just keep moving. Like I saw you recently did a post about this where, you know, it was talking about some of the, the comments that you receive some of the time. I'm right. sure more good than bad. But, you know, people asking questions like, um, you know, like, what is this even supposed to be? Right. Or like, it looks like a little kid made it. Uh-huh. And it's true with social media. There's definitely haters like mm-hmm. that is definitely a negative part of it. And I think what you're talking about, like with the algorithm and not even really knowing who's there anymore and, and kind of the, just more of like the dark side of social media. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about that a lot too, is like, if these platforms didn't exist, how would I reach my audience? What would I do? And starting to think about that a little bit more because it can become the boss of you very quickly. Right. (laughs) I think we all can relate to that. Yeah. You had asked me something and I was going down a road and I I got off it when we started talking about that. But um, I was just asking like, what do you think it is that, you know, is resonating with your work and your art and your process with such a large community? Right. Okay. So that, that was where that post came up. The one you just talked about, I didn't expect that one to reach as many people and have such a big reaction. I just Mm -hmm. kind of was like venting because I was like, this was mean. Why would you even say this? Mm -hmm. And then I kind of went through in that post, like the things I tell myself, just like, let it go. You know, I'm not, this is, but this is why. So first of all, I have to remind myself that those comments are very rare. Mm-hmm. And I get all these comments that are so lovely and wonderful. And those are the comments that I need to focus on. Um, but all of the encouragement that came back after I made that reel, all the comments were so lovely and nice and kind and encouraging and uplifting. I was like, I'm going to screenshot this because every time somebody gives me some like dark comment, then Mm -hmm. I want to go back and read all of this support. There's like 400 comments of people just being supportive. Mm -hmm. So that's when I see people, you know, like connect with me and and be involved and, and start, um, engaging. But those are the kinds of posts that I feel like maybe draw people. I don't do that specific kind every time, but I usually try to say something encouraging or, um, share a part of my process or, um, 
I want it to be something beneficial for people, mm -hmm. even, even if it's just that it's soothing to watch that little piece of the process. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say like, I don't like the reels because they're so fast and I just feel like jittery watching them. So I try to put sometimes like mix it up and put the slow ones, like the mm -hmm. real thing, because I feel like I want it to be valuable. I don't want it to just be more noise. If right. I'm going to be there, I want it to be positive. Right. And kind of control, be able to control the narrative, right? Like, right. yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um before we kind of wrap up, what would be like your advice or any guidance or direction that you could give? Maybe it's something that you're kind of, you know, teaching yourself or or kind of talking to yourself about something that you're focusing on as or working on as well. But what kind of um, like tips or tricks would you leave our audience with? Um, well, I would, we were talking about this kind of in the beginning and I was like, oh, I want to make sure I say something about that. So I'll, I'll end with this one when we were talking about, um, all the admin work and kind of trying to create the life that you want and the job that you want. Um, in our last conversation, we had talked about like how much time or like, when do you do your admin work? What, how much time do you spend on it? That kind of yeah. thing. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just kind of do it like randomly. Um, but I've heard numbers before and I don't know, I don't know that I can say them accurately, but it's supposed to be like, you should count on spending like a quarter of your time on admin work. So I think, I mean, I did, I came, it came into being an artist thinking, I just want to make art all the time. And I'll just kind of like, you know, I wanted the admin to be like this, you know, like little 10% of yeah. what I was doing. And it can't be. And right. so even when I was building my um, membership and when I'm doing my workshops and everything, I I now am trying to look at my month and be like, okay, if I can cram all of my admin into the first week yep. and that's just my desk week and I'm at my computer the entire time, then that means I have three weeks to just play and do yep. whatever I want. So I would say that just remember you need about 25% of your time and then just think about where you want to put it and how you want to do it. Do you want to do it one day a week? Do you want to do like the first, you know, hour of every day or do you want to cram it all into one week? You know, like whatever, but that it has to be there. And that's such a good tip too, because especially as females, we um, are more cyclical. So we kind of work on more of a, a cycle, right? Um, mm -hmm. And even just that can be a really helpful tip for somebody instead of thinking like, okay, on Mondays and Tuesdays, I do administrative work. Maybe it's that first week of every month, right? Maybe yeah. that's when you feel kind of like the most like focused and tuned in to do that kind of work. And then when you're feeling you know, when, as you transition through the month, you can maybe feel more creative and that's when you focus mm -hmm. on your art. So like maybe playing with that and figuring out what weeks work best for you. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Sarah. I think it was such a wonderful conversation and love chatting with you again. Um, I am taking your workshopping class and I'm so looking forward to it and sharing it with the Olaguapa community. So I really can't wait. Oh, thank you. It's been so nice to talk to you. I feel like we, we should like talk once a month, I Not know. A podcast, <laughs> but I mean, we could talk forever. But I thank, know. You. thank you for having me back again. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to the Ola Guapa podcast. 
I hope you gained as much value and inspiration from today's episode as I did. If you love what you heard, please make sure you rate and review this episode wherever you're listening. It really helps to spread episodes like this one to other creatives looking for their daily dose of inspiration, and I would be forever grateful. But before we go, make sure you head to olaguapa.com to discover my very own passion project, Guapa, a small batch, slow fashion line. Each piece from the collection is artist-made in San Diego, California, and designed to inspire your next creative adventure. Swim, sweat, street, or studio. With that, have a beautiful week, Guapas, and as always, sending you tons of inspiration and lots and lots of love.